On record, more than 16,000 people have gone missing in Alaska's Triangle since 1988. A triangle stretching from Barrow to Anchorage to Juneau is home to a vortex clouded with mystery and the home of thousands of strange disappearances. It's a stretch of land that includes vast areas of largely unexplored wilderness, sprawling forests, mountainous regions, and desolate tundras. It is the reason Alaska is one of the least populated states, but has twice the national average of missing person cases. There's many theories as to the source of this vortex's evil, including the Bigfoot of Alaska who the native tribe Clinket called Kushtaka, who is said to steal people away on both water and land not leaving any sign or trace of what happened to them behind. According to legend, Kushtaka translates to land, otter, man. But this creature is a shapeshifter who preys on human vulnerability in the wilderness by appearing in a form such as a lost child or woman that allows for one to be lured into either their depths or being turned into another Kushtaka. Another theory is that the beautiful glaciers of Alaska have swallowed up the vanishing aircraft when pilots mistook them for being a temporary landing place, thinking the glaciers were solid when in fact they are actually honeycombed with hidden chambers and crevices larger than houses and whole buildings. Some simply believe the unpredictable and drastic weather buried travelers underneath the nature of the Alaskan wilderness in this triangle because it is not something one can really prepare for, rather you be a novice or expert. And of course, there's always the theory of aliens who could be cut from the same cloth as Kushtaka or have a domain underneath the Alaskan ice powered by another stone circle like Stonehenge that's in the subterranean lands of the hollow earth beneath all the mountainous terrain and ice and they could be the ones causing the bad weather to occur when people enter a certain zone that's in proximity of their domain. The first on record troubling disappearance that occurred in this triangle was in 1972 when the U.S. House Majority Leader Hale Boggs was traveling across the Alaskan wilderness by way of a private plane with Congressman Nick Bijic, Russell Brown, and 38-year-old experienced pilot Don Johns, and that's it. The plane vanished, literally dropped off the radar, off the face of the planet, and no signs of them or a plane crash was ever found, even after one of the country's largest extensive search and rescue efforts at the time that took place within proximity of the plane's last radar recorded areas. Nothing turned up, not even until this day. In 1950, a military aircraft hosting 44 passengers completely vanished without a trace either, and a Cessna 340 carrying a pilot and four passengers in 1990 also met that same fate. The gates of the Arctic National Park is the United States' northernmost national park and sits in the northern region of the Alaskan Triangle. In 2009, National Geographic stated the following about the gates of the Arctic National Park that lies within Alaska's Triangle. Climb practically any ridge in the heart of the park and you'll see a dozen glacial cirques side by side, serrated mountains that scathe the sky, and storms that snap out of the dark, brooding clouds. On June of 2012, 30-year-old Three Lakes, Wisconsin resident and practicing survivalist Thomas Seabold decided to take a six-month leave of absence from teaching and training at the local Native American Survival School to go embark on a trip to the Arctic, beginning his trip at an Alaskan Native fish camp in southeastern Alaska and then traveling north from there along the Tanana River near Fairbanks while living off the land. It would be September 2012 when Thomas would arrive in the northwest Alaskan village of Ambler, from which he would trek 30 miles up the Ambler River to Brooks Range just outside the gates of the Arctic National Park to the cabin of a woman and her 13-year-old son, of whom he was referred to by Tamarack Song. 
his mentor back at the Three Rivers Drum Outdoor School in Wisconsin. On September 27th, Thomas would say his farewells to the woman and her son at the cabin and head off into the gates of the Arctic National Park. Thomas was expected back by November 10th at the latest and made plans to trek to Kobach at the end of his trek in the park. It would be there at Kobach where he would catch a plane back to Fairbanks and then on home to Wisconsin. On November 11, 2012, Thomas failed to show up for his flight and the police were alerted and they began an extensive search near the Ambler River and Ulani Creek where Thomas was believed to have gone to set up camp at. This is a time in Alaska where the weather conditions start getting very harsh as the amount of darkness begins to take over most of the days until eventually darkness takes up all of the hours of all of the days for months. And this specific area is remote so the search and rescue teams could only do so much during these times since the mountainous regions only had about three inches of snow making snowmobiles ineffective to the search and rescue. But considering this wasn't Thomas's first rodeo solo camping and trekking in the extreme northern winter and that he managed fairly well in Norway trekking firely, searchers were very hopeful in regards to finding him alive. Not to mention he was very skilled and trained. Survivalism had been his lifestyle for a while by this point. Later troopers found Thomas's diary in a cabin and October 7th's entry noted that he was preparing for a multi-day exploration ahead, hiking and camping higher in the mountains for his next potential campsite and was cleaning and prepping wood at the cabin for the harsher winter ahead of him. This let investigators know that Thomas planned on returning to the cabin, yet no evidence of Thomas being at the cabin after that date, October 7, 2012, was found. And given the state of the cabin, he also took most of his gear, including his 22 caliber rifle, meat, and other provisions to last him for his upcoming trek. After much extensive search, the search and rescue team, headed by Sergeant Duane Stone, decided to pull every stop and put everything into one last effort to find in Thomas. So far, they've been flying a two-seater Super Cub, which is a slow-flying plane best suited for valleys. That didn't quite do the trick because the winds in the highlands where they suspected Thomas of heading were too vicious. This time, they decided to use a Piper Navajo, which is a six-seater craft better suited as it also put more eyes in the air to look out for Thomas. After three days of searching, one of the Piper Navajos found a circle drawn on a gravel bar far up the Ambler River, just eight miles north of Ulanique. They suspected it was an SOS or drawn by Thomas to mark where he left provisions at. However, when they landed, they found no evidence that Thomas even etched the circle. November 24, 2012, after six flights and 13 days, the troopers suspended their search as temperatures dropped below negative 35 degrees Fahrenheit. The search was instead continued by family and friends of Thomas who were inspired by successful reads of others surviving the Arctic conditions after 49 days of being off the grid without food, equipment, or proper training, of which they felt gave Thomas more than good odds of prevailing because to their knowledge he had all of those things and was well equipped and well prepared. Thomas's family and friends privately contracted two of the bush pilots who previously had worked for the troopers. At this point, everyone had been searching where they assumed Thomas was heading, which were the highlands, which is the name given to the upper Ambler River drainage. But they didn't know for certain where Thomas could have headed. On November 29, 2012, the troopers handed Thomas's remaining belongings from the cabin to his next of kin and discovered three new clues. A missing section of his map left behind, of which Thomas may have taken with him to use, indicating he had an interest in exploring the headwaters of Imayak, Amakomanik, Cutler, and Redstone Rivers, 
along with the ambler. Also, that when the owner of the cabin, Thomas Bustin, had left, he handed her a book he just read called The Last Light Breaking by Nick Jane, which was a book describing the traditional roots of the Eskimo through the same headwaters area that were included on the missing map piece that Thomas assumably had taken with him. As well as the fact that Thomas had read several other books on the headwaters area. And lastly, that locals had told Thomas stories of the headwaters beauty and wildlife. Upon further review of his diary, Thomas wrote about rafting down the Ambler River in order to catch a flight to a small village in Ambler. And normally this would be easy, except October of 2012 was not like October in any other year in Alaska. That particular year, it rained heavily from late August well into September. So Thomas documented that he would abandon the idea, indicating how rational and coherent Thomas was as a person, and that he wasn't new to this and not willing to take unnecessary and dangerous risks just for the heck of doing so. Unfortunately, all efforts to find Thomas Siebold would prove unsuccessful, and the search and rescue team's reluctance to work with the indigenous tribes of the area stirred massive controversy. It was found later that the tribes had no idea someone was even missing, and the indigenous search and rescuers noted that they were never even asked to help nor notified, which is weird considering if anybody knows the most about this land and all the little places and crevices of it, it'd be the natives who lived on this land for centuries. In Thomas Siebold's diary, the last entry goes as follows. After I've read a lot about this area, it's exciting to actually be here and to see the things with my own eyes. Thomas Siebold's body was never found. The Arctic Gate National Park lined with the Alaskan Triangle is a place few venture into because very few ever make it back out. What do you think happened to Thomas? And what do you think is the source of the mysteries and evils linked to the Alaskan Triangle in general? Let me know down below in the comments.